You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. I am one of your hosts today, Brandon Clark. Good morning, Brandon. John Clark here. And we have just finished up a wonderful interview with Dale Barcher, who is the executive director of the South Dakota Right to Life. Really want to encourage you to go to sdrighttolife.org. That's sdrighttolife.org to check out the amazing things that have been happening in the legislature, uh, find out about upcoming events, even support them. You know, the work they do takes financial support. So consider to consider supporting them with a gift to allow them to be able to go out and continue to do the amazing things they're doing. You know, you know that was so that was such an inspirational segment to see how the positive movement and momentum can build over the course of time. It's fantastic. But I, I think of uh, our listeners that are in a far state. I mean, they can't, they're, they're, they can't do anything in South Dakota, of course. They could support them financially. But, you know, I would want to encourage everybody, to please pray for this organization. Pray for your own yeah. state's organizations because the prayers are being answered in South Dakota. They can be answered elsewhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, with all eyes on South Dakota and the things that they're doing, you know that they're going to be getting attacked physically and spiritually in this battle. So absolutely the importance of prayer, fasting, almsgiving, (laughs) the big three, really important. All right, we're going to shift gears now and head to Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. He's just released a book about a month ago called Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society. Oh my gosh, so many things to dive into with this book. Dr. Peter, thanks for being on with us today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Let's just talk a little bit about yourself. How did you end up becoming an author and writing things like we're going to be talking about today? I've always enjoyed writing uh, ever since I was in high school. I think that's when I first discovered how much I enjoyed writing papers uh, for literature class or history. Um, And then I've just been keeping at it ever since then, uh, writing a lot in my spare time. Um, I I keep journals, and, you know, I I write about everything I'm reading and uh, take notes on what I'm reading. And that eventually developed into articles, and that, uh, from there, to books was one step, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So I have to wonder, you know, our culture just is very lost right now when it comes to marriage and the definition of marriage. Can we just get a foundation of what we're going to be working off from today with what you say marriage is? Yes, <clears throat> yes. And, and uh, one of the things I do in the book is to show that this definition uh, is something that we see uh, in many different cultures and civilizations, and even among non-Christian philosophers. Um, but essentially, the definition of marriage is is a uh, a lifelong relationship bond between a man and a woman for the sake of family, um, or to be to be more specific, for the sake of offspring. But of course, that means the whole family, the good of the whole family, spouses and children included. Um, so that's it: lifelong commitment of man and a woman that is fruitful. Um, and all of these aspects are essential to the definition of marriage. Um, what, what Christianity adds to it, of course, what our Lord did, is to elevate it to a sacrament that symbolizes his union with the Church, um, and that endows it with supernatural significance as well. So it's a natural institution and a supernatural one. 
You refer to the the goods of marriage. I find that an interesting um, a, a interesting phrase. Could you um, expound on that just a little bit? What, what's a, what are the goods of marriage? Yes, yes. Thank you for asking because you know it's in the title of the book. But sometimes you know <laughs> people don't ask these obvious questions that are very <laughs> important. So I mean, marriage in classically, marriage has three goods. The first good is fidelity. That means the precisely that lifelong, unbreakable bond of love between husband and wife. Um, and that, St. Thomas, St. Augustine, they all say the reason God wanted that to be unbreakable is for the good of the children and, and the good of the spouses themselves. It's, you know, so we can get into that later. The second good is proles in Latin, offspring. Um, you know, marriage is a specific kind of friendship that exists for the sake of procreation. Um, if there were no such thing as procreation, there would be no such thing as marriage, which obviously doesn't mean, um, you know, that a childless marriage, through no fault of the spouses, isn't a marriage, but only that the kind of friendship it is is precisely ordered to begetting and rearing children. Um, and then the third good is sacramentum, sacrament, um, and that's the specifically Christian uh, grace-giving dimension of, of marriage. The, you know, from a throwaway society, this is kind of a macabre way of putting it, but you know, when, you, when you say that one of the goods is offspring, one of the evils then would be the opposite of that, abortion. Um, exactly. Just... Yes, and, and, in, and you, I heard briefly, because I, I came in before my segment began, that you were talking to a pro-life organization? Yes. And, um, you know, obviously my book, I, you know, I don't want to overdo the negative. It has a lot of positive content. You know, the whole first and second parts are about uh, marriage and family and consecrated life, all of which need to be understood together. But I do have uh, a pretty significant segment of the book that talks about um, contraception and abortion, not just as um, injustices committed against say, a spouse or against a potential member of the human family or an actual member of the human family in the case of abortion, but also in terms of spiritual disease, what these, mm. what these particular um, deviations or sins against nature show us about the condition of soul and spirit in our, in our era. Um, a lot of people are obviously caught up ignorantly in vice, um, they've maybe never even heard anything else. They've been habituated to it. So I'm not necessarily talking about personal culpability, but but about s- social structures of sin. Um, you know, a kind of yeah, a kind of environment. Um, you know, in which uh, people uh, are 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 taken very far away from the law of God and therefore what is best for themselves. Yeah, we talk about one of the goods of marriage being fidelity. Another few things that you talk about in your book are the evils that array against them of uh, pornography, uh, sexual gratification, premarital sex. I mean, these are big things that I look at in my work with Covenant Eyes, but it's also very, very damaging to marriage and family life. Yes, yes, precisely, because, you know, in the, in the end, um, you know, Benedict XVI had some very profound things to say about what he called human ecology. You know, he, he said people are rightly concerned about dumping pollution, pollutants into rivers and streams and oceans, but we should also be very concerned, in fact, more concerned about dumping pollutants into our souls. Um, oh, and that's good. This, this, is hum, 
this is human ecology. What we put in, you know, garbage in, garbage out. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the truth. Yeah, it really is. Uh, one of the things that I was thinking about, too, as you were talking about your definition for marriage was the sake of the offspring. And you see divorce, and you see just the destruction that is caused by divorce, especially in the lives of the children who maybe are very young are, or, or maybe are, are in their preteen stage or teenager stage where things are confusing in itself. You know, yeah. there's just so much... Uh, clamor that happens as a result of divorce. And I, I really think that the definition of marriage that you provided, including sake of the offspring, is something that's actually left out when marital troubles are coming up. They, I mean, they say they love the children and they want to do the, what's best for the children, but are they really doing that when these situations pop up? Yes, well, uh, no, I mean, of course not, because the thing, the, the thing, the best thing for children is parents who love each other, and the, the next best thing for, for children is parents who, in spite of whatever hardships and difficulties they're having, work very, very hard to re- repair that relationship and to rebuild it. And I've seen that. We've all seen and heard of, of couples that have actually rebuilt their marriage successfully because they, they remained committed to it. They said, we're, we, in a certain sense, we're stuck, but that's good. That's good for us. We need to be stuck uh, as, as, as fallen human beings, as sinners. We need to be held to account, and we need to hold ourselves to our vows, to our solemn promises. Um, and, and this is actually the way to maturity. This is the way to self-denial and to virtue, and there's no other way to it. One of, the, one of the, the chapters in your book talks about um, how to elevate the dignity of weddings. You know, you, I, I think your books, in the, uh, tell, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think, I think your books talk uh, a lot about the liturgy itself. And you said that this is uh, one of the more liturgical chapters. Um, can you just expound on that for a minute or two? Sure. Yes. No, you're right. I mean, the vast majority of, of what I've published uh, is in the field of liturgy. And in this book, um, you know, I, I deliberately tried to focus, you know, on my main topic, on marriage and family and, and consecrated life priesthood. Um, but but I, do, I, I did take the opportunity to say, look, if, if marriage is, if the actual marriage ceremony is allowed to become a kind of secular affair where it's all about the couple or all about the bride, usually, um, unfortunately, and, and where people clap and cheer and, you know, where the... the the music is inappropriate, and, you know, the conduct, the clothing. I mean, there are so many things that can go wrong in a wedding. I, I, I've heard priests say, you know, I'd rather do a hundred funerals to one wedding. Yeah. <laughs> because because they have, there are so many problems that can come up with weddings in our secularized time. And what I do in that chapter is I just go patiently through, here are the things that we need to avoid, and here are some strategies by which pastors could try to avoid those things. Uh, you know, just one little anecdote. Um, hey, uh, there was a, a, a priest who was preparing a couple for marriage, and the woman said, you know, uh, Father, I want to have, you know, XYZ music at the, at the wedding mass. Uh, and, and, you know, and he said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll let you have those pieces at your wedding mass if you will let me play Gregorian chant at your reception. <laughs> and, and, and she said, well, that would be totally inappropriate. And he said, well, yes, but so are your XYZ songs inappropriate for mass. So I'll tell you what, we'll do the Gregorian chant 
at Mass, and you can have XYZ at your reception. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's great. Dr. Peter Kwanowski, we want to continue our discussion, but we do have to head to a quick break, so stay with us. We will pick up this conversation right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. This is Father Anthony Craig from the Diocese of Duluth. I really want to thank my parents today for giving me the faith of Jesus Christ and teaching me the ways of prayer, praying over us uh, when we were sick, showing us uh, self-sacrifice. My father actually was a deacon, a permanent deacon in the church, and he would bring us along as kids, because there were six of us kids, and he would bring us along to hospital visits or to work in the food shelf and doing all these various things for people in the community. And I learned ways of serving others through that, through watching my dad. And then my mom, she also was very self-sacrificial of herself. She wore the same pair of tennis shoes for about 10 years to show us that she didn't care about herself as much as the rest of us. And we got new shoes for every school year. We had all of what we needed and most of what we wanted. And the the Lord really provided a, a great example in my parents to show me the way to really Christian servitude and prepared me for the priesthood. This is Lavinia Spirito for Catholic Way Bible Study. Psalm 95 warns us, If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. The Lord is always guiding us and speaking to us through Holy Scripture, through the sacramental life of the church, and through prayer. If we will only listen, the more you listen, the more you will hear him. The less you listen, the less you will hear him. Let us not harden our hearts against the voice of Jesus, even when his words do not line up with popular culture or may drive a wedge between us and society. Let us not harden our hearts against the voice of Jesus, even when his words challenge our preconceived notions and expectations. Let us not harden our hearts against the voice of Jesus, even when they call us so far out of our comfort zone that it feels like we're in another country. He is Lord and he will guide us if we just listen. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. What is the Lord telling you today? Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. We are back and continuing our discussion with Dr. Peter Kwasniewski, who wrote the book, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society. We've been having a great conversation about what marriage looks like, what's the definition of marriage we're working off of, what the goods in marriage are, and uh, we're going to continue that discussion. Now, before the break, Dr. Peter, first of all, thanks for staying with us. Uh, Before the break, you were talking about how the marriage itself can become all about the affair, right? The the wedding day itself. And I had this reflection a couple of years back about the amount of money and attention that we put into the wedding day. I just wonder how many people save uh, their best for their marriage, their actual marriage, you know, beyond the wedding day, the first day, you know, and consider the next you know, three, four, five decades of their lives. Exactly. Yes. Well, that's a good consideration. I, I was, I was reminded of the way that people treat Christmas often, where 
where you know, there's a lot of anticipation and decoration leading up to December 25th, and then the day after, people throw out their Christmas tree and, and take down the decorations and just go back to regular life. When that's just the beginning of the feast and just the beginning of the celebration, um, same thing's true for Easter. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I think that um, the problem in our society is really fundamentally in this area is a very superficial notion of what love means, what it's all about. Yeah. Um, love is, is a feeling for people. It's, a, it's largely erotic in nature. Um, you know, as we know, very, very many people who get married have been cohabiting for a long time, and all of the statistics show that, that that's, you know, that's, a, that's actually a mark against them, against the long-term um, viability of their relationship. Uh, those who cohabit have much higher divorce rates. Um, and I think the reason is, it goes back to this, you know, if love, love is the gift of self. That's how John Paul II defined it. Um, love is willing the good of the other, as St. Thomas Aquinas defined it. Um, and that's not love is a feeling or an, uh, or an erotic emotion, you know. Um, and so what, what's, what a successful marriage is built on is precisely sacrificial love, which, of course, is going to include plenty of joy, but it means putting yourself in second place uh, in, and, you know, and working together to form a real unity, a community, no. I think that you know, as as time has gone by, um, you know, the definition of love, as you had mentioned, it gets bombarded through the media and through the social media part of it. You have a, a chapter in the book. Um, it's titled "Vigilance in the, uh, in the uh, <laughs> Vigilance in the Christian Use of Media." Um, does, does this touch? On you know how do we how do we be vigilant how do we fight back this constant bombardment of a message that just really diminishes the true uh, the true def- definition of love and marriage? Yes, yes, it's a it's a great question, and I, I mean I I consider that to be one of the most important chapters in the book because I find I mean not in itself in its to- topic but just because so few people talk about it. Um, Basically, you know, there's that old saying, a man, a man is what he eats, um, and that's only partially true, of course. Uh, but we are, are, spiritually, psychologically, mentally, we are what we consume through our senses. You know, if we immerse ourselves in bad literature or bad music or whatever it is, we're, we're actually sort of populating our soul with all of the evils of those things. Um, and, you know, we're, we're kind of like you know, empty storehouses, and we keep filling ourselves with whatever it is we're, we're consuming, you know. And so um, this might be a hard sell for most modern Americans because they're very attached to their smartphones and to their movies and to their other forms of, of entertainment. <clears throat> but for serious Christians, serious Catholics, we really need to do a rigorous examination of conscience about this and say, what am I taking in do I need to be looking at this or that site? I mean, I'm not even go- talking about pornography, but that's obviously, you know, morally evil. I just mean, in general, are we letting the world's scale of values basically dictate to us, you yeah. know, what our values should be? Um, and, you know, and the solution to that is, yes, less media and vigilance over what we consume, and we have to actually increase the number of good books we're reading, um, the number of good conversations face-to-face we have with friends and family, just normal, healthy activities. You know, we really need to get back to that. Yeah, 100%. And I think about, too, for those 
couples out there who are blessed with children, there are eyes that are watching us. So when we look at the, what am I taking in? Well, what am I taking in in the privacy of, of you know, when nobody else is around? But what am I taking in when my children are around and watching as well? These are really important things that we need to think about. Because if we look at what it means to be married, those are things that we will eventually have to explain to our children because they want, we want them to see the beauty of the sacrament of marriage and how it can be life-giving and fruitful and just a beautiful life together. But if we're not living that truth out ourselves, how are our children ever going to understand that, Dr. Peter? Yes, exactly. Yeah, and I mean, one, one of the themes that I, that I also hit on in the book um, a number of times is the... The, the need to really come to terms with our weakness and our sinfulness and our need for grace and for mercy. Um, I mean, there is every spouse is going to fail in one way or another. Every parent is going to fail in one way or another. It's, it's not if it will happen, but when it's going to happen and how it's going to happen. Um, and so we need to be very realistic about that and develop patience and the capacity to ask for forgiveness, the capacity to receive forgiveness. Um, and this is also one of the ways in which the family, marriage and the family is a school of, of love, as John Paul II says. We have to understand the spiritual warfare that is attacking the marriage and um, relationships such as that. Um, I think when we come to terms with that factually, um, it helps a little bit easier to, uh, to battle it, wouldn't you say? Yes, for sure, for sure. Um, I have a chapter where I talk about... Uh, Satan's war against um, marriage, lifelong fruitful marriage, as well as against um, consecrated virginity and priestly celibacy. And I just, I just point out all of the ways in which these stable states of life in the Church are opposed to the pride and the vanity and the, um, the self-love of the devil and of all the demons. Uh, and so, really, I mean, when, when Christians take any of those steps, they are doing not just something countercultural, but something, you know, with cosmic significance uh, in, the, in the ongoing battle between, uh, between God and His angels and saints and between the evil, spir- and the evil spirits. For those who are listening who are in some sort of pre-marriage ministry, maybe it's working engagement weekends, maybe it's meeting with engaged couples, what advice would you have for them about sharing the truth with these couples who are yet to be married, are, are yet to experience what we've been talking about. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's a, I mean, I just want to be frank. It is a very difficult area of ministry for just the reasons we were talking about earlier, the immersion of people in secular culture. Um, the Christian message right now sounds like it's coming from Mars. I mean, it's, just, it's so <laughs> completely uh, beyond what people have heard um, from the media and so forth. And, and from especially if they go to public schools, God have mercy. I mean, that's that's anyway. But um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I think really the, the, some of the most successful marriage and engagement programs uh, have been that is to say, programs for those preparing for marriage as well as for those who are already married. Um, I think some of the most successful models really do depend very much on finding a fervent couple that has worked through difficulties and has has a successful marriage. I mean, to the you know to it, un, rightly understood, right? Uh, and um, is willing to talk about their experiences, what they did wrong, um, what they did right, um, how 
the grace of the sacraments, you know, may have saved their marriage or whatever it might be. What, that kind of personal uh, witnessing is, I mean, I, is vastly more important than any amount of, you know, doctrinal or catechetical exposition. So, I mean, that's, obvi- that's I think maybe that's an obvious point, but I just want to reaffirm that that's very important. Um, I think in terms of in terms of catechesis, uh, really, we we need just like with the with the Eucharistic uh, revival, um, we need to have a lot more consistent uh, preaching from the pulpit on marriage and family issues, um, and that, of course, is not something that's easy to do. You you know, to wave a magic wand and make that happen, but right. I do think it's happening more with some of the younger clergy. Um, you know, I think we're getting past that period when. Um, you know, where, when homilies were, were, were afraid to touch any controversial subject. At least I hope that we are. Um, this might be another obvious question, Father, uh, Father Doctor, but um, who, is the, who is this book written for? Is it for priests? Is it for married couples, pre-married couples? Well, I mean, I mean actually, it, it is really for anybody who's interested in, in the Catholic understanding of marriage and family. Um, I would say that, you know, it's not... Um, it's not the first book I would give to somebody who has never read anything or never thought about these things. It it definitely I would say presupposes an audience that's receptive and that is um, you know willing to to do some heavy lifting and and you know really do do some deep thinking about these matters. You know, it's not a pamphlet that you give out to say why use NFP or something. You know, it's not that kind of thing. Um, that being said, uh, it it is accessible in style. I always you know I I try to avoid. Um, excessive technicality and and i i use a a, a style that that um you know has has a broad appeal uh, so my readers say um so yeah i do i do think that definitely clergy anybody in marriage preparation um anybody who is thinking of getting married or, or is married and wants to to do a deeper dive into the wonderful mysteries that it it concerns mm, that's beautiful in the last 30 seconds we have here dr peter where can people find this book Yes, it's published by Sophia Institute Press, so of course you can get it straight from them on their website. Um, it's also available at all of the usual outlets, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, you know, that sort of thing. And also, your local bookstore can certainly get it if they, if they I mean, they can get any Sophia uh, titles. So, Excellent. Well, thanks so much for being on with us and sharing the good news that comes with your book, sharing the truth and not being afraid to tell it like it is. Thank you so much. May God bless this work. Absolutely. God bless you as well. Again, you can visit sophiainstitute.com and look up Dr. Peter's book, Treasuring the Goods of Marriage in a Throwaway Society. All right, we have to step away to our last break of the morning, but stay with us. We have a good segment coming up talking about the Catholic case for intelligent design. You don't want to miss this conversation when we continue right after this. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. 